This is a Hot Pie Original. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Inhumane, episode three to be exact, a Hot Pie Media Original. It is January, National Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And if you missed it, January 11th was like National uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And so this is why you wear your blue. It is no longer January 11th. However, I'm still sporting the blue as you can see. So don't feel bad. Make sure you go slip on blue anytime you want, uh, especially those of you who work at home, stay at home. Um, even if you picked out your wardrobe already, go in there, have a quick little wardrobe change, put on the blue, snap a pic and advertise that it is awareness for human trafficking all the month of January. Now, um, I'm sure well, actually, before we before we go any further, I just want to thank all of you as usual for listening in as an individual or if you're listening in with a group. I uh, can't thank you enough because we're all here to join the fight to eradicate human trafficking, right? Because it is not going to happen on our watch. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are a little distracted. Um, I talk a lot with my hands, so I'm sure you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, what time is she recording this podcast? Like, did she just pop out of a uh, club? And I know she's not trying to pull off that she's under the age of 21. Um, so rest assured, none of those things are happening. Um, these actually red X's are part of the end it movement. So I actually try to look back in my social media and because I'm terrible at documenting anything for myself, um, I really couldn't find when I started to join the End It movement when it came about. Um, I did find one a couple of years ago was like the earliest um, I joined the party. So the End It movement, um, it started like in 2012 and brilliant marketing, like brilliant marketing. These X's represent ending human trafficking. So it's an end it movement, right? So you might see it all throughout the month of January, uh, especially. So people wear these red X's here on their hands. Um, some do it on their like finger right here. Uh, I've seen others like red tape their complete, like their, their lips, or they put tape over their list, lip, um, like duct tape on their lip. I, I, I'm all about the cause, as you can see. I just can't put duct tape over my mouth, can't do it. Um, and then they put the red X over their lips, right? So any way you want to do it, um, even over your shirt, it's just to represent that you are part of the movement to end human trafficking. Now, the end it movement, like I said, brilliant marketing. It just caught on like like wildfire, right? So you had athletes, you had people of like Congress uh, sporting the red Xs. You even had like, Athletes, like part of the, the X game, so like skateboarders, right? And um, people on bikes sporting the Xs. Um, it just, it was easy and it brought curiosity, right? Now, I'll tell you a quick little funny story. So um, I had a meeting a couple of days ago um, with some uh, pastors of mine, and we're talking about human trafficking and something that we're about to, you know, to do. And the word marketing came up. 
And one of the pastors said, Antoinette, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful about marketing, you know, human trafficking, but we, and I said, no worries. I totally get it. Like it, it that's what you got to do to bring awareness. You got to have some awesome marketing, right? Because you got to sift through all that white noise. Bam. This was it right here. The end it movement. It just, like I said, it, it's easy. It wasn't hard at all whatsoever. So one of the cool things about, about the end it movement and why it was so easy, like I wore this at board meetings. I wore this on school, school campuses, um, at the gas station, getting groceries. Like I just wore them on my hand. And I brought up those questions in the beginning because obviously it brought curiosity. People were like, uh, hello. So it was easy for them to approach me um, and ask the question, like, are you coming from a club or uh, make sure you're not going to, you know, buy any alcohol because we can't sell it to you. So it just made people um, strangers, right, approach another in a very safe kind of way. So the X has brought curiosity. And um, honestly, I made it super simple, like my response. First, I'd usually laugh or giggle because it was just always funny and I do laugh a lot at very silly things. So, um, you know, it was just funny the way, however anyone said it, it was like a different way. Like, are you going to a club or you just left a club? You don't look like you're dressed for a club or, you know, anything along those lines. I say, actually, um, I'm wearing these red X's because it's part of the end it movement. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there's like over 40 million slaves here in the U.S. and across across the globe. So this is to end human trafficking today, not, you know, decades ago or a century ago, but today. And you just get this like either an overwhelming or this shocked look. And it was simple for them to comprehend. So it wasn't right, super complex and, and overwhelming, but they were just stunned by the near fact that there's over 40 million slaves today. And I say here in the U.S. and across the globe. So that right there was the second like stop, right, for them and for their brain. And so more so did they engage. So they first engaged by asking about their red X's. And then second, they engaged even more just by me telling them one fact. And that one easy fact is there's over 40 million slaves uh, here in the U.S. and across the globe. That just blew their mind. And then I could, you know, get into it a little bit more. Uh, a lot of times I would send them to different like sites that I'm really proud of or uh, very familiar with that people can just get information easy. Um, I love to support local. And so I'll mention like different nonprofits or what have you that are local that they can go and volunteer at. Um, so it just really made the conversation, um, you know, their guard was down, right? Like, cause they approached me. So their guard was already down. We laughed a little bit. Their guard was even more down. And I just gave them one simple, simple fact. And that's how easy it is to really bring people to the fight, right? Or at least the awareness, like, oh my gosh. And so now their brain is open to see all kinds of things when it comes to human trafficking, because it's not the first time they heard it. And they had a little bit more of an intimate conversation with some stranger who gently like invited them into the party, right? So again, this party, everyone's invited. Um, obviously, if you're a trafficker, you're not invited, but everybody else totally invited. So it doesn't have to be a National Human Trafficking Awareness Day for you to support these. Like there are no rules. So if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast or if it's like May and this is your first time listening to the podcast, you heard it. 
you know now it's going on, support these red X's, uh, put on a blue shirt, you know what I mean? And just say, hey, I'm, I'm learning about human trafficking. Like today's the first day I, I heard about it. Did you know A, B, C, and D? Um, that's how you join the fight, right? And because it's so complex, we're so afraid of it. Um, because it's so dark and it's inhumane, we're afraid of it. And we don't need to be afraid of it. We need to really be in the forefront and just do the, the baby steps. And this is one of the baby steps, right? It's literally telling people, I know human trafficking is happening right here in my city or my town and my state and my nation in our world. And I'm going to find out more about it, right? So you don't have to be the expert or know anything about it. So um, I encourage you put on these red X's. I'd be very curious to see how creative some of you get because um, I just put them on my hand. I'm sure you could get way more creative on where you want to put uh, these red X's. But one of the things, and we'll pop up the the first slide, um, they just, End It Movement articulates it so well. So something they write on their site is most of the world knows nothing about the most significant human rights issue of its time. These are individuals whose freedom has been taken from them. They are slaves. Most of the world knows nothing. Give that to you. That's, that's where we are today, right? Is most of the people, most of the world knows nothing about the most significant human rights issue, okay? These people are our slaves, across the realm, across the demographic. Um, they all don't look alike. They all don't come from the same background. Um, they're, they're not prejudiced about it, okay? Now, the other thing the End It Movement says on the next slide is you can't take a stand against something you don't know exists. Like, listen to that. You can't take a stand against something you don't know exists. So awakening the world to the fact that not only does slavery still exist, but it's more prevalent now than any other time in history. Right there, that's like spirits should be moving on that one, right? Because it's almost like the world. We're, so I've used this phrase um, in my professional world. When I coach staff or colleagues, um, it really was part of a lot of my management skills. It's 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 nothing um, like I created. It's a phrase that's been around for a very long time. But it is what you don't know is what you don't know. Okay. We can all say we have definitely been there, right? We're in a new position or we're in a new space. So what you don't know is is literally what you what you don't know. It's almost like it gives you or you're giving somebody grace, right? You're giving them grace for the mishap or maybe they didn't take it a little bit further um, because they just they just didn't know. And it's totally fair. You can't fault somebody for that. But now that you have the conversation, now where do we go from there, right? The expectations are probably gonna be very different. Um, and that's just really, like I said, helped me in my professional space as well as uh, my personal life. So that aligns very deeply with what the End It Movement is saying. So the first one is most of the world knows nothing, 
right? Most of the world knows nothing about the most significant human rights issue of its time. The other is you can't take a stand against something you don't know exists. So I get it. Now, <clears throat> on the next slide, my question to you or my statement is, but now that you know, <laughs> but now that you know, are you the one who stands boldly and partners with us, with survivors, right? Despite the discomfort and you do something about it, you become the voice for the voiceless because now you know. Or do you kind of turn a blind eye, disillusion yourself and say, eh, this really has nothing to do with me? Because really, that's that's where that's where we are. Right. And again, what you don't know is what you don't know. So you may never have known that there was a slavery, a global slave trade issue going on, that this is the biggest human rights violation issue ever before. But if you're listening to this podcast and if you heard the ones prior, now, you know. So now, you know that there's a problem. So where do you stand? It's kind of like a this versus that, right? Do we stand bold and do something or do we just kind of stay in our little bubble and think that human trafficking does not affect us? It does not pertain to me. I don't live on that side of town. Um, I'm not from that demographic. Um, all of these excuses, right, or all these things that we use to to justify that I don't really have to do anything. and. The more you listen to this podcast, the more you'll see how it intersects in everybody's life. So you may know somebody and know somebody, know somebody. Oh, gosh, it just came to me. But I wish I could remember that whole thing about Kevin Bacon that came out years ago. Like you're so many removed. Thank you. Six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Is that you say it? Right. Separation of Kevin Bacon. So it's like that. Like it's it's totally relevant to that. Um, there is human trafficking in your space. Whether it's where you buy your clothes, get your furniture, get your lawn done, like slew of things. And we'll totally go through all of that, right? Now, <clears throat> the one thing that I can totally, again, understand if people say, well, I don't know the impact. So that's fair, that's totally fair. So you know that it's an issue, but we don't, but the impact is unknown because human trafficking, you know, it's not black and white. It's beyond gray. Uh, and I think all these other colors as well that we're trying to define, like it's such a complex issue. So, and a lot of times we want to like put survivors or victims in this box and they are all going to think the same. It's the same story. They're all going to react the same. Um, same thing with the traffickers. They're all the same. And there, there's not a pattern. Um, we wish it would be a pattern and it probably wouldn't be um, as big as it is now, but it is It is definitely all over the place. So because we, it doesn't fit in a box, I get it. The impact is totally unknown. But again, if you're listening right now, then you know it's a problem and you know that it exists. So so maybe I'll even take away that it's a problem. Now you know it exists. Slavery exists today in every city, in every state, 
in the nation and every other country um, as well. No matter if you look at top, you know, top 10 countries to live in, top 100 countries or cities or what's the best um, value for your home. Like, because we look at those things, right? And I think it's the US News that makes that list like all the time of where the best countries, where's the lowest crime? Where's this? And and we have this idea of this city or this country. Like I live in a city and it's been like the top forever. Um, We know because people keep moving here (laughs) and the traffic is bad. Yet they think human trafficking is not happening here. Not true. Even like I said, some of the best countries where you can literally go to prison for, you know, uh, spitting gum on the ground um, and they have very. So that means that they have a very low sense of crime. Human trafficking is still happening there. And we'll totally get more into detail about all those throughout these episodes. But at least today or together, we can shine this light on slavery. So it's time for us to kind of make a make a choice of what side we want to be in, right? And close our eyes, move on, or open our eyes and be awakened and kind of trek forward, right? So that we can eradicate this altogether. And in and in reality, you know, on at least on this podcast, we want to help you truly understand how it affects real people in real time. And who should play what role, right? Because I asked that on the first episode is what role do you want to play? Now, there are some people that may not be able to come into this space for a variety of reasons. And this might not be a good place or a good cause, if you will, for them to do something, right? Um, at least maybe the awareness part, that part is, is might be good enough and that might be an that's it for them. Um, but we want to meet you where you are. And I think that's the most important thing. We're not trying to shove anything down your throat or get on, you know, your own soapbox. This is really like a, a baby step because we're running a marathon. <laughs> this to eradicate human trafficking, it's just running a marathon. And so we want to give you these small pieces so they're digestible and and meet you where you are. And that's really, I think, holistically where people can grow and they make the biggest, biggest change. So let's move on. (laughs) And um, on our last episode, we really discovered like, or we talked about the common myths, misconceptions, and we talked about the realities of all of that. Now, I know a lot of people human trafficking and, and specifically sex trafficking, um, Everyone kind of, you know, they they just want to go all in and they want to dive in and say, okay, oh my gosh, here are all these things I can I can do. But as I mentioned, it's a marathon. So we need to do these baby steps so that we can have a really strong foundation because this is such a complex and it's so hard to prove in so many areas. So we want to make sure that we're not re-traumatizing, you know, victims and that we can prosecute these. Uh, traffickers, these predators to the fullest. So we really need to have a strong, um, you know, foundation and uncovering those, those myths and misconceptions. The purpose of that was really so that we can start changing our, uh, changing our mindset and really opening up our hearts because we have this idea of what a predator looks like. We have an idea of what human trafficking is. We have an idea of what slavery is. So all these, none of these words are brand new, 
right? They didn't just pop up in the Urban Dictionary and then made it over to Webster. So we all know these words. So we already have a miscon, you know, an idea of of what they are. And, you know, we really need to know what human trafficking is. Um, and so that's why we had to go through that part. So let's have a really like a quick recap of the meaning of human trafficking. Okay. Now on this slide, I mentioned before about the TVPA and that's the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, right? And that was established like in 2000, in the year 2000. And it really was the first comprehension or comprehensive federal law that addressed human trafficking before ugh, it wasn't treated like as a specific crime. And a lot of times it got mixed up with smuggling. And I think that's why a lot of you know, when you have that conversation with people, um, they think trans, you know, transport, right? They think uh, kidnapping um, <clears throat> and smuggling across borders. And and that's not the case. So it kind of separated it, made it its own crime. And this was so great because it really addressed a lot of the gaps in the legal framework, as well as um, in the legal framework. What I mean by that is it kind of created new laws, right, for for crimes that we just really kind of didn't identify before. And it also gave resources to the the actual victims. And this whole, um, I think it's being revamped or I think it's, yeah, like revamped, more things added on to, I think it's on its like fifth issue of it, which is great because we're always like behind, right? And these traffickers are just way over here. They're way ahead of us. Um, and so the law has got to catch up. So it's about the fifth time that it's been um, revamped and different things added to it. Now, um, I think 2019, yeah, 2019, I think that was the last time it got revamped. And that was actually a bipartisan from Congress, which I know so many of us are like getting our own political degree in 2020 and 2021 with everything that's been happening. So it's like we're all poli-sci majors now. Um, so, you know, having strong bipartisan support, um, that's a really big deal because a lot of these issues are very one-sided, a lot of these social justice issues, um, and you don't have support from both sides. And so FY19, um, they appropriated like $250 million specifically to human trafficking. Um and I mean, that's just phenomenal, right? It, it's growing and people are understanding that it is a major issue here in the U.S. for just even just our U.S. citizens alone, not even monies that would go to uh, immigrants who have been imported and transported over here specifically for uh, to be trafficked, right? Now, the TVPA really focuses, um, it has like a three-prong approach and we call it the three Ps. And that whole purpose is for prevention, protection, and prosecution, right? Because we really don't want to forget that third one, a prosecution. Um, and when we get further into this episode, you'll understand that last one on how much it needs to really, how it really needs to be a part of it. And probably why it continues, um, and why drugs and guns, you could still go to prison longer for those two things opposed to which are commodities. Those are things, right? Um, and they're not a person. Um, and yet 
people are hardly going to jail for long periods of time when they are trafficking individuals, uh, more so when they're trafficking more than one person at a time, right? They get caught and it's like a group, um, a trafficking ring, and yet they hardly get any time. It's it's really, really shocking. And, and uh, <clears throat> like I said, we'll go through all that piece. Now, on episode one, I couldn't say these three words enough, and I'm going to keep saying them over and over and over again, because again, it builds that really, really strong foundation. And that are, or that is, um, what is it? Force, fraud, and coercion, right? Like, Force, fraud, and coercion. It is going to like roll off your tongue so easily. You're you're going to be an expert, really, in like no time. And so, on this next slide, um, the Polaris Project, which is a phenomenal resource um, to to flip through. It's great. There's so much data on there, so it's great to see it. But you really need to have so many conversations about them to understand some of the meanings, to digest it. How does it apply? you know, to your city, um, to this survivor, so on and so forth, right? Now, their data is on point. And they've actually concluded um, one of the, it actually is the largest uh, research on human trafficking. And that data, like I said, is just, it. it's great what they think about. Um, it's not just on the surface level, um, which is fantastic. And I can't wait to get some of those people here on this show um, because it's important to see how they get that data, right? How they get it, um, what laws are actually changing or being implemented based off of this data and how it affects all these other organizations um, in areas like from homelessness to foster care to school systems to child abuse. Like it's so... Oh, sorry. It's so intersected. Like it's just across across the board. Well, um, on this slide, you actually see the AMP model. Okay. This is from Polaris. Now, this is going to help us dig a little bit deeper on what human trafficking means, right? Like I needed to give you like the legal definition, what is up there. Now, this is how we break it, break it down. Okay. Now, human trafficking occurs, right, when a perpetrator or it's often referred to as a human trafficker, um, takes on any one of the lists under the action column. So if you're looking at the screen and those of you who are audio, uh, I highly recommend you look at it on the Inhumane podcast as well as the YouTube channel. We'll have it up for you. But that column right there that you're looking at, here are the verbs, right, for action. And you have recruits, transports, provides, obtains, and attempts. Okay, so um, hold on one second. My my uh, pictures don't won't. So you take any one of the the lists of actions, all right, and then it employs the means of force, fraud, or coercion, right? So that's the middle middle column. So action occurs so that it employs, and it means force, fraud, or coercion, right? One of those things, one of those, or all three, and then. Um, so the means of force, fraud, and coercion for the purpose of compelling the victim to actually, right, provide commercial sex, labor, or any other type of service, right, that is force, fraud, or coercion. So at a minimum, one element from each of these columns really must be present for us to establish that there's a potential situation of human trafficking. So it all comes down to, right, the presence of force, fraud, or coercion that indicates that the victim 
has not consented and they didn't do this at their own free will. Right. So that's the key. And that's why I'm always like force, fraud and coercion. Uh, If you can't remember anything else, force, fraud and coercion. Those are the main things. So this um, AEMP model, it's just brilliant what what they've done. Now, if you look online, you'll find all different kinds. Um, I didn't remake mine. I just repurposed uh, from the Polaris project. And this chart can't get any more like simple. Right. So it's letting you know what are the verbs that are taking place, um, which are the actions, recruits, transports, provides, obtains and attempts. And that is all Uh, so that there is force, fraud or coercion happening. And it's to compel a victim to, you know, do some sort of commercial sex act, um, some sort of labor act or some other type of service. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, which, you know, when it comes to commercial or domestic, um, when it comes to children and they're performing or they're caught or they participated in or um, anything along those lines in any commercial sex uh, act, they did not give consent, right? It's, it's, it's illegal. They can't. They're under the age of 18. So when a child is participating in child sex industry, they don't need anything on this list, they're automatically um, a victim of human trafficking. So, so I'm very curious, and I think we could talk about this in depth. There are lots of conversations, um, and we'll have to pull them up next time and and kind of pull, pull it to the forefront. But for example, like these vaccines, the COVID vaccines that are popping up, and I know it's not a very popular uh, conversation. However, If they're going to start allowing children to make a choice because they understand, and I believe the age right now is like eight, um, that they approved in D.C. And I can't remember what other states. So we'll we'll get all those stats for you. But if they're going to start allowing them to have consent, does that open the market for these traffickers even more, right? Like that's something to think about. Like this is how these traffickers uh, find these loopholes, right? The rest of us are following the rules and the laws, but they don't. They're looking for those loopholes. So that's something to consider. And I'd love for someone to uh, come on or break it down for us um, from the legal space. Or again, we're all poli sci majors now too, so we probably can come up with our own. Um, But that's something to take into consideration, right? Because easily like, oh, this is a medical thing. Well, that can easily start merging into uh, sex trafficking and totally convoluted, right? So we want to make sure that we're able to protect these children because I know when I was eight, um, I was like playing with Barbies. There's no way I could consent to anything like that, right? So it always comes down protecting um, the children, right? For sure. So again, If there is a child participating in the commercial sex industry, they do not need anything on this list. They are automatically a victim of human trafficking. So we really can't hear this enough, right? It's such a complex issue um, with so many moving parts. It's almost like a combination of trying to figure out the Rubik's Cube and trying to solve four other puzzles at the same time, right? Like it's just, it's just constantly moving and there's always a missing piece and that missing piece is under the rug or somebody came and grabbed it. So you can't even complete the puzzle. Like it's always, always 
um, moving. And knowing the definition of human trafficking with this A&P model, um, it's not only going to give you like a stronger foundation, but I really believe it's going to give you more confidence to, you know, speak out <laughs> and to talk about human trafficking like, like an, like an abolitionist, right? Because that's basically what we all um, want to do. If you're listening here, I know that you're concerned and you have, you just don't know where to begin or where to start, right? So, um, so go forth. You have this meaning right here. It's broken down into these columns and force, fraud and coercion is what you have to at least remember the most of. Um, and these actions are really easy because a lot of the actions most people already think with recruiting, transporting, providing, obtaining attempts. So those are kind of pretty easy as well. And then the purpose again for commercial sex acts, labor or other services. So Okay, so let's get into the the title. So I'm assuming the title is quite attractive, right? Of identifying predators. Well, that really requires more than one episode. So um, you're not going to get it all today, I wouldn't imagine, um, because again, so complex. Um, it's super dynamic. It's not black and white, right? So I'm going to... I'm going to ask for you to have a little visual in your brain. Okay. No cheating. So when I say the word pimp, what's the first image that pops into your head? So first image, not the politically correct image, not the softening it kind of image. Just what was the first thing that popped into your head? Because we have, um, you know, we have a lot of experiences with that word, right? And I don't mean experiences as in you participated, but we know what that word somewhat kind of means. It's been in culture for a very long time. So let's pop up this first slide. So my question is, was this your first image, right? Somebody super flashy, um, gold chains, money, uh, women hanging around them, you know, um, I, I don't know. Now, I'll tell you, I actually borrowed these from Pinterest, which I was shocked that that was uh, an actual board on Pinterest. Clearly, and it's about to change my whole algorithm now that I did that and I, I think about it. Um, so I'm not too happy about that. But um, there's actually a, I think it was a, it was a pimps and ho party con costume party board as well. Um, so this is, this is kind of what we think of, right? Um, we think that it's an individual who is super flashy, has a lot of money. Um, there is actually a pimps and hoes conference in Vegas. Um, and thank God that was canceled for, uh, COVID. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but this is kind of what we, what we, what we think of, right? Now, what if I said the word predator and we'll go to the to the next slide. And I bet when I say the word predator, you're thinking someone like this. So there's tattoos on his face. His eyes look scary. This totally looks like a mugshot, like he's been in prison before. He probably grew up in prison kind of thing, right? Like he's just a scary dude. Like I actually didn't even look up his height. I would be imagine. I would love to know what his height is and like his weight because he just looks like 
like he could crush you easily, right? And that's kind of the image that we have when it comes to pimps and predators. Well, have you know this guy? Yes, you're, I mean, he's he's in prison for sure. Um, he did not go to prison for sexual assault or human trafficking or sex violence of, of any form um, at all. However, while he was in prison, he did attack two inmates who were child molesters and he killed one of them. Oh, actually, I think he killed both of them. And um, he was like, I'll, I'll do it again. No problem. Like they shouldn't be here walking on this earth. So that's what he did. So here we have this image that he is a, you know, could be a sex predator. Right. Um, and that's not what he did. I'm, obviously he was a predator in another way. Uh, I think he went to prison for like a, um, assault or robbery, something along those lines. But again, that's the image that we have with these two, you know, these guys right here. Now, the reality is these predators, they are very comfortable looking like me, looking like you and portraying themselves as law abiding citizens. They love that. That's actually their identity that they show everybody. That's who they show. Yet, why do we have these images of these other, you know, these other people, right? That's the big, that's the big question. What's our experience? It's our culture. It's what TV shows, right? That's why a lot of minorities have a hard time or, um, you know, we make a ruckus and saying, hey, every time we're in this major film, you're always showing us as criminals or gangbangers or something along those lines, right? So that's why people have these images, um, and they think that they look a certain way when that's not the case at all, right? Like if we went to the Amazon right now and those tribes, they would have tattoos all over their face and everyone would look at them and say, oh, they're indigenous, right? They wouldn't think criminal at all whatsoever. But here we definitely think people um, are of the criminal element when they have tattoos certain places, right? So no right or wrong. It's really to just kind of for us to change you know, our, our, our perspective of things, right? Now, I don't want to trigger anybody and that's not what this podcast is for. So I really want people to, um, you know, self-regulate themselves. And we're about to get into some stories with some of these uh, traffickers. And so if you need to push pause, you know, push pause, go do some breathing exercises, listen to some music that's very calming and soothing to you. Um, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, um, if you know you're going into the red, right, just push pause. That's what I love about this. We can push pause and then we can come back and, and you know, join us. So please remember to take care of yourself. And this isn't for us to be graphic at all whatsoever. It's just so that we completely understand that they walk among us. They don't hide in the sense of you know, I'm this big, burly, scary looking person. Um, of course, you're going to identify me as a, as a trafficker. Nope. They look just like us and they look like them too, but they look more like, uh, like I said, like, like you and I, if you look in the mirror right now, there's someone who looks just like you. Okay. So we'll go on to the first slide. So look who we have here. This is, she looks normal, right? She's a teacher. She is a 37-year-old, well, she's probably 38 now, a 38-year-old teacher. Her name is Amber Michelle Parker. 
And um, this teacher was arrested for sending pictures and was trying to sell one of her family members that was like 14, 15 years old um, at the time. Now, there's some articles that say she was trying to sell her virginity and others don't say it at all. So I've actually tried to reach out and ask, like, what, where did you get the virginity part? And in reality, it doesn't matter, right? She was trying to sell her family member. On top of that, she was trying to sell her family member to men in Morocco. So what she had planned was... Um, so first off, she was sending pictures, uh, very provocative pictures of this young teen um, to these men. And um, family, I guess, and, and it's not very, very specific, but it was family who actually called law enforcement and said, hey, there's something funky going on over here. So her plan was to get this teen, put her on a plane with her, head over to Morocco and sell her to, I, I don't really know how many men, it doesn't, it doesn't really say. So law enforcement has got all of this uh, dialogue, right? Um, well, the little girl didn't, the, the young teen didn't go after all, but she still went. So she still went to Morocco, which I find very interesting. So it was when she came back is when they actually arrested her. Um, and that was <clears throat> January, 2019 is when they actually arrested her. Um, so they're saying that this was like over the past like five years um, or no, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. That didn't happen over five years. What I wanted to say about Morocco is, you know, Morocco is a very hot destination. It's very old world. A lot of people um, want to go there. And as pretty as it is over five years, sorry, there's been reports of Morocco being a source and destination um, and a transit country for men and women and children to be subjected to forced labor and sex trafficking. So it may have dialed down a little bit, but this woman was about to send, <clears throat> excuse me, or actually take her herself, right, over to Morocco and sell her. And then uh, I don't know if she was planning to leave her there, come back. I'm sure there'd be major repercussions if she if she left her there. But um, here we have a trusted member in society. This is an educator. And this is what she's doing. Now, she hasn't been convicted yet, uh, but according to all of the police reports, all of the information they have with the conversations going back and forth, um, and even her putting up provocative pictures of a, a young teen, right, who can't give consent um, abroad, um, speaks volumes. So it's something to really pay attention to, um, for sure. And so she's an eighth grade English teacher, or was, and her daughter was a senior at the time when this happened. Like, who doesn't have kids? Who isn't a teacher? Who, right? Like, it really is making you think like, oh my gosh, I trust these people. I trust these people with, um, you know, with my children. Now, the next, uh, the next two individuals, this is a Utah couple. And what's interesting about them so they were convicted and they were convicted um and sentenced to up up to 15 years up to so again we know that that doesn't mean the full 15 okay so she targeted or they both targeted really um women who were homeless and women who were addicted to drugs so right there these predators went to do they think they were easy prey do you think that homeless people are easy prey do you think it's someone who's addicted to drugs, right? Is easy prey? 
all possible, all possible. So he was known as the muscle and she was known as like the recruiter. Okay. This is what they both uh, stated, like when they were in court getting sentencing. Now with her, they, they both admitted it, which is a lot of times people are like, I don't know what I was doing, so on and so forth, right? They both admitted it. She said, she basically said, like, I'm disgusted with myself. I don't know who, who I was and what I was doing. Like, I deserve this is what she said, right? So that humanity kicked in. Um, now, she did say at the time that she was trafficking these women, that she too was addicted, um, you know, to drugs. Whether that's true or not, we have no idea. Um, but these two individuals, if you look at her, she looks like someone like a neighbor. She looks like someone you'd be standing next to in the grocery line, right? Like she looks totally like somebody you know, or your kids know, or your girlfriend knows. Like there's nothing scary about her. Now the gentleman has tattoos, but I see a bunch of people have tattoos like him. No, nothing on his body. I mean, I didn't investigate them that much, but he looks like a lot of people I see around as well. So they walk among us, right? Now, um, this next individual, here we go on this slide, we have um, Mr. Raymond Rudio III. There he is when it, with an infant. This was like a Facebook picture. Um, very innocent, right? You see tons of these where um, it, looks, it looks normal. He's somebody's dad, somebody's brother, somebody's uncle, somebody's neighbor, somebody's friend. Well, this man... From 2014 and 2019, in a windowless basement of his parents' home, uh, he actually had a trafficking and prostitution ring going on in their basement. And over 20 women or about 20 women were subject to uh, being victims of, of human trafficking. So what he did was he... He was holding them against their their will. He was convicted of sex trafficking. He got nine and a half years, even though he did this over a four four year period of time and to more than 20 women. And he got nine and a half years. And this is in Long Island. Okay, Long Island, New York. Now, from what some of the women say is that when they're down in the basement, like there's no bathroom, no anything. He would force them to uh, relieve themselves in like a bucket. It doesn't say how long those women were there. Okay, so... This, this right here, this, this man, he, it's kind of like the image that a lot of you have, like women are being captive. It's dark. It's dirty. Right. Um, they, they don't even have a bathroom to go in. Right. They're, they're using a bucket. Now he had men, um, he prostituted them. So men either came to the basement or he took them to hotels and he got these women, uh, hooked on crack cocaine and heroin. So he got them addicted to drugs so that they can then prostitute for him, right? So forced fraud and coercion is what he did there. Um, it's interesting that his parents, you know, they were saying like, hey, I don't, I, I didn't know what was going on. I knew there was something funny, um, but I didn't know what was going on. So that kind of makes me believe that nobody like lived there, right? He just brought them in there to um, prostitute them out, Um for the most part. So his parents actually didn't get convicted of anything, which a lot of times that's not always the case, right? They're like, hey, you were there. Surely you knew something was going on. So his parents weren't prosecuted at all. Um, but at his sentencing, one of the moms was there, of one of these girls that he trafficked. And because um, it, it took him, it, he just got sentenced like in 2000, in January, I think, or something along those lines. Yeah, January. Um, 
this little girl was 20 years old and she just died of an overdose. Um, and the mom was saying how, I mean, she was just so distraught and obviously addicted to drugs as well because of this man, not because of before, or she had this long history of it. Um, and so she died before she could even see him get justice, right? So think about that. There he was holding a baby, totally not what you think of a predator. Um, and I think he was like 40, 40, 40 something years old. Um, that's somebody's dad, right? That actually, um, it's not my dad. My dad's much older, but that's like close to closer to my age. So this is someone that is walking amongst us and we don't think he's a predator. Not once would we blink an eye and question his motives, question anything that he's doing because he has become a law abiding citizen. We have to start changing our mindset on what these traffickers look like, right? Um, again, if you need to take a break, please do so. I know it's it, our mind starts to go a lot of places when we imagine 20 women in a basement relieving themselves, things of that nature. So please take care of yourself. Now, the next individual, and please forgive uh, the pixels on, on this one, but I really wanted you to see how decorated this individual is. This is Army Lieutenant, or sorry, Army Lieutenant Colonel Raymond Vallas. He was a New Hampshire National Guard and he was temporarily assigned, um, here in Texas, um, specifically in San Antonio at the Sam Houston, San Antonio, uh, joint base, Sam, Sam Houston, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, but this guy, Okay. He was like having a great career in the National Guard. He like commanded 1400 troops um, in like El Salvador. He helped all these humanitarian projects, um, missions actually like beyond the horizons. Like when you look at him, look him up and go to images, you can see all these pictures of him like doing humanitarian work, like the news, like he, he was a, a rising star to say the least. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit more background, but, uh, at his trial, the 15 year old victim and this, she was 15 at the, at the time of his trial, um, you know, she testified that she had sex with him twice at $150 each time. Okay. Now there were three other individuals involved, two men and a, and a woman. And again, talking about the presence that this man had in like 2013 and 14, he, the, he was part of the army war college. Like he was a fellow there and at the Institute of national security and counterterrorism at Syracuse university. So this guy knows his stuff and like his, I think it's like his dissertation or his lecture topics. Um, they were on the MS three, did I say that wrong? MS-13 gang. So if you know anything about like counterterrorism and gangs um, and organized crime, MS-13 are horrible people. They have no, like, no respect for human life at all whatsoever. Um, they do traffic women. They treat women like dogs, like animals. Actually, I think they treat animals better if you look at some of the documentaries they have. So here this man is giving lectures and is great at MS-13 and telling people how horrible they are. And yet this is what he's doing. Right. And so we see all these decorated medals. Um, we see that he's a rising star. He knows his stuff, what he's talking about. And yet he's having sex with a, you know, a young teenage girl. Right now. Um, 
something I'd love to tell you. This 15-year-old, she was actually advertised as an escort on the internet. Okay, so these three individuals, the two men and a, and a woman, they were pimping her out, um, you know, online, right? Now, what's interesting is there was a little bit of an outburst. And a lot of times victims, um, you know, they're, they're asked or they're told to, to come and face their accused and give their testimony. Well, that re-traumatizes a lot of individuals. Like you could only imagine, right? Like you have to face your perpetrator again. You have to face your predator and tell all of these strangers all the horrible things that they did. That's a really tough spot to be in. And Nobody can really say that that they would do it. But this girl at that age took her power back. So I want to read to you something that um, she she said to the to the court, which clearly it impacted um, their sentencing. So she told the the girl, she told the woman who trafficked her, you could have changed my life, but you changed it in a bad way. OK, that's what she told um the female who trafficked her. And then she told one of the male traffickers, good luck, and told the other one, I hate you. I really, really do hate you. Okay. Now to this decorated National Guard that's on the screen right here, she told him, you were the smartest of them all. I have to hate you or I have hate for you because I was your little project but you knew exactly what you were doing. So here this teen took her power back and that's what she told him in the courtroom, full of strangers, faced her predator and said, this is who you are. So here he has all these medals and I believe he had like a lot of, um, you know, big wigs in the military and, and, and write for him and talk about how he couldn't have done this kind of thing, right? Speaking to his character. Um, but this young girl, she went at him and that's what she told him. So I don't, it doesn't like, if you look at a lot of the articles, it doesn't really talk about how involved he was with the exception of having, um, you know, sex with her. And she was a, a trafficked victim. Right. And remember what we said, if you're under the age of 18, you are automatically a victim of human trafficking period. So she didn't have to prove any of that stuff. Right. Um, so was he at the wrong place at the wrong time? I doubt it. Um, but that's what some people will say that that happens all the time if you're a John. But we got to start eliminating that demand, right? So he got 15 years. All of them got 15. Oh, no, the girl didn't. Um, but she's got like 20 years of federal uh, monitoring and probation. Um, but that was a that was a Big sentencing, considering I just told you about the other Long Island man. He trafficked over 20 women and only got nine and a half years. And whatever that means on good behavior, when does he get released? So you see what I mean on those three P's in that prosecution? You got somebody who trafficked 20 and one is enough, right? So in reality, I guess you can say quantity doesn't matter. If you traffic one, you should get major sentencing. But here he got nine and a half. And here they got 15, right? Like, oh my gosh. And I get it. Hey, and I, I live in a state and I'm happy we do things differently and we don't follow a lot of times everybody else. However, this is totally unfair to the victims that we have completely different sentencing. There should at least be something that 
is more foundational, right? Like a minimum. Okay, so we're going to move on to, to the next uh, next slide. Now, this is a business owner. I will totally bitch, butcher her first name. So uh, we'll just go by her last name, Lan. So Lan here is a 52-year-old businesswoman out of Washington State. Now, in January 2020, uh, so she too has not been convicted, but she was charged for promoting the prostitution of an individual, engaging in the sex trafficking of an individual, and receiving profits from prostitution. So those are three um, charges, which one of those is really big, right? Because you have sex trafficking in there. So her company name was Woodbury Wellness. So now I guess you can imagine what kind of company she had. Um, so she had a massage parlor, right? Now, uh, Woodbury Wellness was actually listed under the massage section um, in, I believe, Backpage and Craigslist. And in their advertisement, they actually showed pictures of like four women in the front and inside the business. And the site actually included reviews. I hope you can see these nonverbals. So look how bold they are. So when I'm asking, right, for people to stand and be bold, because look who we're competing with. Look how bold this is. So on the site, on her website, it had reviews for the business by patrons. So these reviews, they actually wrote that they got a happy ending, right? Granted, that's such a pop culture, funny word. I, I, I told her funny phrase, right? I, I get it. Um, I actually just heard it the other day when uh, women were talking about a massage and someone said it. And then of course they look at me and they're like, oh, buzzkill. She's here. <laughs> like we can't say those things, right? But look how bold they are. They wrote, and she kept it up. That That's good. Well, she had to, she probably was the one that put it up there, right? Like happy ending. Like, look how bold they do it in our faces. So it's not okay for us just to 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 sit back anymore, right? Um, so, so they wrote happy ending um, about the women that gave the massages um, and that they were nude and that they touched each other like sexually during the massages. What? You write all that in a review? I just want to say, great job. You got four stars. Service was awesome. <laughs> like, that's very detailed, right? Whether she wrote it or an actual uh, patron wrote it. But regardless, that's who we're dealing with is she's that bold to at least keep it up, right? Now, um, the task force, they have actually been surveilling her from like July to September. And they saw a like... A steady flow, flow of male customers only, no female customers at all whatsoever. Um, they also found that two women actually lived in the massage parlor in the wellness center, um, which that should tell you from episode one is this could be a cross once they start doing a little bit more investigation. It's possible that they're sex trafficking and then easily labor trafficking, right? Especially if they're, uh, you find that a lot. That's a lot of, that's a red flag when <clears throat> you see employees living in the workplace, right? In the building or what have you. So they found two women, um, 
that they actually live there. The rest of the women, uh, Lan would actually come back when it's closing up shop. She'd pick up the women and she'd actually drive them back to her home. And that's actually where they lived. Um, and then she'd bring them back to the parlor, you know, the next morning. So very interesting. You can probably see the crossover of sex trafficking and labor trafficking very easily. Um, this is an investigation I'll be watching because it's a it's a really great um, example to show how easily it can flip over or again, how they're intersected as well, especially when you have, um, you know, some of these businesses, right? Okay, let's move to the next slide. I'm sure y'all thought this was coming. Um, as you can see, I think it's the picture on the left is the Catholic priest, right? There he is in his in his getup. So the picture on the right is obviously his new getup um, of his cello house clothing. Um, he too has not been convicted yet. He's been charged. So this is Robert D. McWilliams, and he's a former seminary seminarian um, at St. Helens Catholic Church in Newberry Township. Okay. Now, he also served at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Strongville. Now, the reason why I'm giving you both because this was from 2017 to 2019. So look at that time frame of him uh, possibly trafficking individuals, right? Now, he he pleaded not guilty for 21 charges. So they charged him for 21, um, well, 21 charges, right? Um, and some of that was possession of child porn. And I'm going to get in deeper in regards to the sex trafficking. But he, so that's when they picked him up, 21 charges. Okay, well, they added eight more. So they had added eight. He faces eight count indictment on charges ranging from sex trafficking of a minor to sexual exploitation of children, which we hear the word exploitation quite a bit. Um, I haven't expanded on it that much. And, and we will. Um, and actually, here's probably our first example. So this guy is 40 years old when he got busted. Right. And. He had 17 or around 1700 images and videos of child porn. <sighs> and then he had another 150 files on his Dropbox that they were they're obviously going going through at the time that this was, um, you know, this article was written. They didn't know what was on those files just yet. So <clears throat> he also pretended and this is what they found right through in all this investigation. He pretended to be a female on a lot of the social media apps. Um, so I'm interested to know if that was to lure um, young men, because that's really who um, they mainly mention is young boys. So not 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 both boys and girls, but mainly just young boys. Now, this uh, this individual, he actually was part of like some big two big youth groups within these churches, which you just see it. You're like, oh, my gosh, he had access to all of these kids. So this is what I say is that they walk among us. Right. And they're hitting they're hitting they're hiding um, themselves. They're hiding their identity in these positions of trust, specifically um, where they have access to the vulnerable. And I don't care what you say. I don't care how smart your kid is. Um, your child is vulnerable. They could be a super street smart kid. They're still a child. They're a child for a reason, right? There's a reason why they're a child, even a teenager and then adult. There's a reason why there's a distinction between that. So this guy had access to all of these kids. 
I mean, I just told you 1,700 images, right? More than 1,700 images of child porn. <sighs> it's just like, ugh. Well, he made contact with young boys, some of who attended his parishes that he was obviously affiliated with, right? So this is what he did. He enticed the boys to send him sexually explicit photos and videos. So he has both. So that's probably what's on that Dropbox is 150, right? 150 files. That's probably where the videos uh, may be or what have you. But uh, they had to send him sexually explicit photos and videos, according to these, you know, uh, court documents. He coerced, there's that word, right? He coerced boys into sending him photos to threatening to release embarrassing information he knew about them. <laughs> so that's what he did. 40 years old. And here you have young children. I don't, I don't know the ages of these children, um, you know, just yet. But he actually did follow through allegedly on one of his threats. And he did send one of the mothers or mothers, plural, um, one of those sexually explicit photos that he coerced, right? Force fraud or coercion those boys to give him. And then he goes. And so that clearly, right, is going to set the tone and let all the other boys that he is preying on and saying, oh, he's serious. He means he means business. And that could be a main reason why he did it. I'm like, oh, look what he did. I don't know what he's being a sinful boy or whatever. Um, so so check the check this out. He the the judge originally he set bail for like $50,000 and then he raised it to 150,000 which i thought was amazing right because being a you know being part of the catholic church i mean the catholic church has a lot of money um not saying that they would do this at all whatsoever but um a lot of individuals don't like that stain right and they can help somebody leave or escape or what have you so they raised that bond which i think it should be raised anyway Considering the teacher that I showed you that first slide, her bail was like 25000 So you see the disparities, right? And we can go back to say, okay, is it because he did it to a major, like a, a larger quantity and she was allegedly trafficking one individual? Like, is that, is that what the legal um, system is telling us? I don't really see, see that's the reason, right? Because we got dude in Long Island um, nine and a half years for more than 20 women, right? So I just wanted to put that out there because I think that is something that we can all start to really get behind and saying, hey, do we need to change that? Like, what's the bond if you were caught with um, 50 kilos or 100 kilos of cocaine or something along those lines, right? We got to start showing and proving and protecting our victims that they are not commodities. I am worth more than a bag of heroin, right? That's what we got to do. Because right now, that's not what I, I'm seeing looking from the outside, right? Not seeing that at all whatsoever, that we're protecting them that way. Okay, so um, let's go to the last or this, this next individual, next slide. Now, here we go. This is our guy in a suit. He's an attorney. Um, he actually has been labeled pimp in a suit. This is former attorney Mark Benavides, and he was sentenced in April of 2018 to 80 years. 
on continuous human trafficking charges. And this guy is actually from San Antonio, Texas. And so um, Bear County, they really took this um, seriously because he's like he's one of their own. Right. So they gave him 80 years. Now, you're also going to understand why I don't think it's just because of the betrayal within like one of their own. Um, but in a separate indictment, he was also charged for like trading legal services for sex with his female clients, um, then recording those sexual encounters. So that's, that's what this guy did. Um, (laughs) the police found, uh, like in a cabinet, right? Like at his home, 246, uh, what they labeled as pornographic DVDs. Um, of Benavides having sex with with women, um, which police all claimed that these were all his clients. Okay, so I'm wondering if some of you are thinking, where's the forced fraud or coercion, right? Like, okay, they're his clients. Technically, they're paying him, right? Like, so all these words and, and thoughts start coming into, into people's minds. But um, Basically, what he did, and a lot of these women testified, is so if let's say they had a DWI or DUI and they hired him, right, to to represent him, and you know they're saying, "Hey, I I, I didn't do it" or what have you. So, um, he kind of had the same pattern in regards to this. So he would invite the women. Obviously, they'd have a lot of different conversations based on the case, and then he would get super flirtatious. He, um, Some of them were uncomfortable, but then he'd say, well, um, I don't have to help you then. And this case is going to go this way or that way. Some women were already losing like their car, their license, um, their jobs, things like that. And they already like dished out all this money to him. And Um, This is, again, where it gets super gray because a lot of people right now listening to this or reading these articles will probably say, "Okay, go get another attorney. Well, in the human trafficking space, when we talk about poverty and poverty sets in or lack of choices and if he's using his power and saying, because originally, right, it was a business transaction, but if that power shifts and it's no longer mutual. And he starts to say, well, either you perform this sexual act or I'm just going to go to the judge and say, well, you know, your honor, she's doing her best, but she's a cracked out addict. Like, what do you want me to do? So this is basically what some of these clients were saying that he was doing. And the boldness, and I don't know if it's because he was just like an attorney or he already had all this power over these women and it just, his ego grew, but he would have sex with them like in the courtroom, like, like in another room in the courthouse. Like it was that quick, like you would have, or they had to perform a sexual act. Like women have literally said that and testified that they would leave or right before they were going into the court, he'd take them over there and said, here you go. This is what you need to do if you want me to perform in front of that judge. That's the power, the ego, the the sickness, the predator mindset that this man had. And this is what he did to woman after woman after woman after. There is no reports that he did this to any male client. I'm assuming he had male clients, but never um, did that come up. Well, <clears throat> some of these videos, um, they actually played them in the courtroom. and. 
it was so graphic that the judge like said, hey, let's take a break. And a female juror actually like fainted on the on the way out. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you really got to take care of yourself when you're getting into this space and starting to listen. Um, you don't want to have any like vicarious trauma. Um, you you need to just kind of take care of yourself. But that's how sickening apparently these videos you know, were like he was recording him having sex with all these, all these women, right? Total, total dominance. Um, I mean, they also went to hotels, there were motels as well. So it was his office, the courtroom or the, the courthouse um, and motels, uh, all kinds of places. Oh, specifically, I think it's the witness rooms in the courthouses, right? But the courthouses, this is, that's the power. And I believe he was even running for judge at one point as well. So the prosecutor actually said, hey, this wasn't just about or this was a case about forced sex, right? Not just about legal services. And so there you have that forced fraud or coercion. And then it gets that charge of human trafficking, right? So people called him like the master manipulator, the liar, um, all of these things. And I think his his legal team was really just trying to say, again, this was just a sex exchange for legal services, which, of course, is a much lesser charge. Um, he'd still be disbarred, but opposed to like human trafficking. Right. Like, I wonder what how many years he'd get if human trafficking was never on the table. And doing that to all these women, um, they, I found it interesting that the wife, when they asked her, um, she actually said, this is cheating. It's not human. Like it's not human trafficking. It's nothing else. I just, it's just cheating. Like he just cheated on his wife and his family. Now this happened, right? He was, um, he was sentenced in 2000, I think 15. So, oh no, he, I think he didn't go to trial until 2015. Then he was convicted in 2018. Um, so maybe, she was in denial. Maybe there just wasn't a lot of talk of human trafficking, which kind of I would believe is is more of the latter. Um, but her mindset and granted, she also has children with this this man as well. Right. So it's either putting your husband helping put your husband away or or we just don't have the mindset when it comes to men and sex that it can't be human trafficking. Right. It's just cheating or it's just um it's just sex, something along those lines. Well, his sex therapist, right? Because I just told you, this was like a long, uh, like trial process. And his sex therapist actually said, you know, when I first saw him, he was very arrogant, um, couldn't treat him at all whatsoever. There was no way we were like making any progress. And he, he despised the idea that he really did anything wrong. <laughs> but when the sex therapist then saw him, I guess when, when Benavides was about to test testify that he was a totally different man and he was treatable. Now I'll tell you, I've, I've been asked and I'm sure everybody else has too. like, what is one of the hardest things you've ever had to do? And mine is continuous. And one of the hardest things that I do is actually, I pray for those uh, predators that are these traffickers. Um, yes. Sometimes I say really bad things about them and just don't have any goodness in my heart for them. Um, some people believe that they could, they're treatable because they're just unaware of what they're doing. Um, and that's a hard pill to swallow. 
right? That's a really hard pill to swallow. But that is one of the hardest things for me to do is to pray for these individuals that they realize what they're doing. And in this case, did he or did he not? That's one of those super gray areas. Like most people would be like, he's a predator, the end, not curable, not treatable. Um, yet we see people redeemed all the time, right? So I'm interested to know what, what y'all think when it comes to these individuals and what it is that they do. Now, um, I don't know if, like I said, if it's just objectifying women in his mind. And again, not that that's uh, anything less than human trafficking. That's actually the gateway, right, to human trafficking. I just believe it's an ongoing conversation for us to really understand and believe, like, is there rehabilitation? Because, you know, we do believe there's a lot of rehabilitation when it comes to someone who's a porn addict or a sex addict, right? So it's when it flips or how gray is that area is when it flips into right to sex trafficking, forced fraud and coercion, right? So it's just an ongoing conversation. Um, and anywho, there is actually a second outcome to this specific case. Um, he had as many as like maybe 500 clients, right? Specifically women. Well, Bear County um, could actually overturn all of those women's convictions because they obviously know what he did, right? And there was forced fraud and coercion. He trafficked them all. Um, a lot of them talked about the cases that he just stopped trying once they no longer uh, gave in to his sexual uh, advances or demands. And so a lot of them were convicted. So they actually, Bear County actually have um, assigned someone to them and they're going case by case. And they're looking at possibly overturning about 500 of these cases for these women because obviously they were prey, right? They were trafficked women. So that also, and this case is, is so fascinating in the sense of helping us change our mindset in regards to, to trafficking. So look, we didn't hear anything about being captive, right? We didn't hear anything, we didn't hear anything about being, uh, transported at all whatsoever. Right. Um, this, all of them, it wasn't this like ongoing uh, sex trafficking issue. Some of them, we don't know, could have lasted a couple of weeks, couple of months, and then boom, they're done. He was done with them. So they had their conviction or off or what have you, and they're out living their life. I'm sure totally feeling violated to the fullest, but this should help change our mindset of what human trafficking is, how great it is, how complex and dynamic. And they all don't look the same. Every single story I just gave you with all these different predators, they all come from a different background. They um, all come from a different space. Um, and they did something different with their, with their victims, right? They did something completely different. So at least we know, or I at least pray that this, the legal system down in Bear County actually makes things right. And they support these women along the way with the utmost respect and with gentle, fair care, right? Because of everything that they've been through um, and, and they just deserve it, right? But this is where justice, I think, is rightly served on two counts. This guy got 80 years and I believe it doesn't say anything about him uh, or how much he has to serve to, to hit parole, uh, but it's gonna be a very long time. So here we go, 80 years, someone got nine and a half, someone got 15. We're just all over the place. 
We're all over the place. And I know that it would be so much better if we had some actual standards, right? So I wanted to give you, you know, these visuals because we're debunking a lot of misconceptions and dispelling what our what our mind, right? Based off our experience, what we've seen, what we've been told um, from pop culture, the news or any other story, we kind of almost need to like control alt delete. <laughs> you know, we need to control alt delete our brain when it comes to human trafficking and sexual exploitation um, because more than likely it's the person sitting right next to you, right? It's the person that you've had dinner with. It's it's like less than 1% are actually kidnapped. Mostly all traffickers know the person who's trafficking them. I'm not saying it's a long-term relationship, but it's not necessarily stranger danger. Okay. Those of you who grew up knowing what stranger danger is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Kids screaming like stranger danger. Of course we know who they are, but oh my gosh, look what social media has done. Everybody's a friend. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like even your young, your young children who are on social media, everybody's a friend. I've been playing a game online with this person for two months. Groomers, predators, they will take their time. You are worth that much to them. They will take their time grooming you. So it's more than likely someone you know. And it's not this big, scary man that um, we've been told. I just gave you quite a few women. And that actually, I think it was almost equal. Now, I do want to preface that um, I think especially like for the military and um, the priest, okay, in the Catholic Church, we're, you're probably going to have a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, it's those military guys. They're just so terrible. And it's the Catholic Church and, you know, just uh, downright saying it's those entities. But what you have to understand is because uh, like I have a lot of family member, I, I'm a come from a military family and those individuals will not hurt any women. They protect women to the fullest. So it's not the military or the individual or, or you know, it's, it's not the entity as a whole. Right. As I stated before, these individuals, they specifically go into these places because they know that they're going to get a title, respect, loyalty. Um, um, no one's going to think any different, right? They have these positions of trust on purpose. They do it intentionally. And a lot of times they open up the door for other predators to come in, right? Other traffickers to come in. So it's not what we always think. And we have to think kind of outside that box. So in order to be one loud voice, right, let's unite for the rest of January. Um, this will really, I think, help us set up the goal to eradicate human trafficking um, here in our nation and then, you know, globally. So let's do our normal call to action. And on this slide, It'll show you the call to action for this episode. And I'd really love for you to go to the Inhumane uh, podcast on Instagram. And there's actually going to be a blue square. And that blue square obviously represents like the blue, right, for Human Trafficking uh, Awareness Month. And you don't have to wear it, like I said, on the day because that's January 11th, right? That is that is past. But we can keep doing it and and keep representing and showing awareness. So I'd love for you to... 
get that blue square, share it across the board, um, tag us in it, if you will. And then the second one is with your blue shirt of or blue outfit, I'd love for you to put on a red X for the end it movement. Okay. A red X wherever you want on your mouth, on your finger, on your hands, however you want to display it. Um, tag us as well, because that way we can really I think open the conversations like safely and accurately within your circle of influence, right? Because that's who you're influencing now. You're you're like, hey, this is what I've listened to. This is what I now know. And I need to kind of spread that awareness, right? So you don't have to be the trauma specialist. You don't have to be on a police task force, right? Or or a social worker at all. So in the caption, like just be honest, right? Like that's 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 the best thing you could do. I think we would recruit more people to be abolitionists if we could just be honest. So on this next slide, here's just an example of what to put in the caption. And super simple is like, I'm learning about human trafficking, but I do know it's my problem, our problem. Over 40 million people are being enslaved today, the worst in history. Now that you know, it's inhumane to do nothing, right? Let's learn together and do something. Together, we can eradicate human trafficking or modern day slavery, right? And then just like, please share. So that's just an example. You write whatever you want, but like, just say, hey, I'm learning about this. I'd love for you to join with me because um, really this is how we raise an army, right? So we may, we may win battles here and there and we may lose battles here and there, but ultimately it's all about winning the war. So I went from like, the art of war, and I'm flipping to uh, sports analogies, like this is a marathon. It is not a sprint. So I know some of you may be sick to your stomach with some of these stories of these traffickers and predators that I shared. So make sure you take your take care of yourself. But I'm so excited to see a blue... I'm so excited to see a sea of blue shirts and a bunch of red X's for this end it move it because we are eradicating human trafficking. Um, please tag us on all the social media outlets at inhumane podcast. And until then we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other hot pie media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts.